This podcast episode is an open and honest dialogue around a tough and oftentimes taboo subject, race in the newsroom, to talk about our POC experience within the daily and newsrooms across the country. I sat down with Marissa Martinez, a sophomore and opinion editor for The Daily. Martinez and I stand to be the only Black identifying editors for The Daily this quarter, and so we decided to talk about the elephant in the newsroom. So I guess just like, let's introduce ourselves, like our racial background, who we are in The Daily, what we do, everything like that. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Marissa Martinez and I am the opinions editor this quarter and last quarter, and I'm also the diversity and inclusion chair for the Daily Northwestern. Um, My racial background, I am black, Italian, Korean, and Mexican. Um, I consider myself more black, Mexican, and Korean than anything else. That also like impacts like a lot of the way I interact with the world, having been brought up in such a multicultural household that really valued every aspect of my family not just like one or the other yeah and i'm cassidy jackson i am currently audio one of the audio editors this quarter last quarter i was assistant opinions and i did opinions a little bit before that and some sports reporting before that um my racial background is black how have we kind of like grown into our like racial identities is i think is a good question Yeah, I think that the way that I was raised was very, like I said, multicultural. It was very kind of, we celebrate Kwanzaa, and we also make Korean food, and we also, like, listen to Spanish music. You know, it was very, like, everything was blended, like, so well. Um, But I was taught to see race, I think, in a very different way than my white peers. I went to all-white and, like, Asian school, and I was the only black and Latino person, like, around. It was kind of hard. <laughs> and then it changed in middle school and high school for sure. But by that point, I definitely was trained to like see the differences just as much as the similarities in terms of how I related to my peers. And so when I joined my high school newspaper, it was so obvious that I was like one of, if not the only like black person, mostly like the only Latino person in the entire staff. My school is almost 100 years old. And... I was the first black and Latina editor, like, period, you know, of the newspaper in all of that time. And so I take, I took those burdens very seriously. And so when I came to Northwestern, I was pleased that there was some diversity, but on the newspaper staff, it was very obvious, again, that I was one of a few. And I just hate being one of a few, you know? Yeah. And from, like, your background being, like, culturally mixed... I guess, like, what was your experience around that in school? Like, did people, like, identify you as, like, one part of those three things? Or, like, how did that kind of work? I was able to state what I was right at the beginning and make it very clear that I, while I do look, you know, more phenotypically black or maybe even Mexican or Afro-Latino, I relate heavily to a lot of different aspects from all those cultures. And I'm not trying to be fake. I'm not trying to be, like, a poser. I really just truly like don't consider myself one race over another you know um and so for the most part like my classmates were definitely like really fine with it and like no one really questioned it um I felt a little bit more insecure when I reached college but 
um, definitely like it's my identity has also been strengthened since I reached college. What do you think made you more insecure about it once you reach college, you think? I realized that a lot of the people who go here, what, whatever race they were, usually went to high schools that were really segregated or predominantly one thing or another. And so for the most part, they had barely met people outside of their own race, much less people who were multiple races, which is, you know, just it's, it is how it is. And so I kind of felt like, maybe unfairly, that I had to like portray certain aspects of myself very loudly and clearly so that when it came up later people didn't do like a double take you know if I talked about being Korean for instance you know it was important for me to say it right at the beginning you know welcome welcome September October be like very clear that I'm so proud of my mom's family and my history with that um rather than having it come up later and people like be confused or think I was faking or being you know weird about it yeah it's really interesting hearing about you kind of really speaking up about being proud of like your racial background because I think for me owning my racial identity was a really like weird and hard journey. My Both of my parents are black but growing up race was really never talked about in my high, like household at all. I started writing opinions late high school. And I think for me, that's when I started speaking up about like issues of diversity and issues of race that I saw within my high school. And I saw it kind of translate into my confidence around speaking around that topic and also like being proud that like, hey, I'm a black woman, I'm a black journalist, and that's like amazing. You talked about this idea of like being one of the few. How did that translate in your like high school newsroom experience? The people I worked with on my high school newspaper, while they were great and fantastic in their own ways, they really did not have to see race because they were mostly like, you know, white and some were East Asian and they saw race in a different way than I do as like a pretty mixed person. But it was really apparent to me, for instance, when it was the beginning of school and we were doing our back to school issue and this white writer came in with a story about the two new English and history teachers, both of them were women, and she wrote about them and kind of just like highlighting some interesting facts about them. And I asked, I was like, so you don't mention that one of them is the first Latina English teacher ever at our school, and this other one is replacing the only black history teacher at our school, and she's also teaching African American history, you know? So, like, why? And she just paused, and she was like, well, I didn't, I didn't think of that, like, at all. And I was like, well, I mean, it's pretty important, at least to me, like, to be, like, they're one of the few, you know, in their departments, and actually really one of the only. And I, I saw that so clearly as soon as I saw the press release that they had been hired, and yet, you know, my reporter, through her own biases and assumptions and kind of the way she's been raised, didn't see that at all. And so that was like a really stark moment for me to realize that not everyone thinks about race in the same way that me and my friends do. And so it's really important for me to try to like bring that counter narrative to light and to really make that coverage more apparent to people and make it more automatic, you know? Yeah. And did you wind up like changing the angle? We had two EICs, mm -hmm. me and this other white guy, Clyde. Um, and he, I think, had written, read the story maybe or 
some it had gone through the chain, you know, and it was p- printed, and we were doing mm-hmm. the postmortem in the newspaper, and I was like, hey, how did this like escape, you know? And she was like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it at all, and I was like, okay. <laughs> And it's like, like, was that interesting being like EIC next to someone that didn't notice that, but to you that was like a big problem, you know, and a big hole Mm -hmm. and kind of the disconnect there? I mean, Clyde and I were definitely like really close while we were working on the paper, but sometimes I think I had to do a lot of the mental work you know, in order to talk about diversity a lot more and how are we covering communities at the school, how are we enticing people to come join our staff and, like, write the things that they want to in opinion and in news and arts and entertainment, you know? Um, And I was really scared, honestly, about leaving a legacy that was more than just, you know, oh, they did really great center spreads and they did really great, you know, breaking news coverage. I wanted to, like, think so much more broadly about how to cement that my want and my need for diversity in my paper and to be honest I don't think I achieved that because I went back the other day like two years later and there's not a single black writer on staff and I know that they exist you know at my school and it was just really hard for me to listen to that for me to have put so much passion and like trying different ways and to know it still wasn't enough clearly because no one really joined after me and that's what I really hope to do as a daily as well. Just kind of start like helping build other POC journalists up in our newsroom and like supporting other staffers who are doing the same. Does it ever sometimes feel like when you're one of the few that you have to kind of always be the ones to like speak up, you know? Oh Is that God. kind of definitely <laughs> like, I mean, I kind of put myself in the position by being diversity and inclusion chair. I really pride myself on being passionate about diversity and trying to be as knowledgeable about it as possible in various forms. Of course, I like you know still have lots of gaps in my knowledge and lots of things to learn, but over the years, I've definitely researched it a lot, and so I really wanted to be like that one person that people could go to first before maybe tokenizing other people of color in the newsroom. And so while that is a little bit of a burden, Um, It's one that I've taken on willingly, and it's one that I have really fought to try to make institutionalize. Yeah, and can you just talk about, like, what you're doing in regards to diversity? Um, I have pitched diversity chair for a while now, and I'm thankful that it's been accepted as, like, an actual position is being really treated seriously. Some of the things I've been trying to do over the last quarter when it was kind of more unofficial and this quarter when it is official is planning affinity dinners for people of color, LGBTQ people, and um, low-income people to really foster a sense of community but also a bit of a support group and people that you can fall back on. Um, I'm really lucky to have friends of color in the office who I can routinely just like rant to about random things that we're doing at the daily that are wrong or just medill things that I hate and stuff like that but I know a lot of the newer reporters and even assistant editors don't have that yet and that's fine but I want to work to make sure that they have someone to go to at least you know if it's not me then someone else who really does understand a lot of what they're going through if not most things. Um, I also really want to take education seriously of the people in the newsroom about 
really important issues like we had a great discussion the other day about whether to use the word racist versus you know racially tinged, racially charged, things I hate personally. And that was a time that I felt really validated that I was like, yes, like people are finally starting to talk about these things. Like that was the other thing. When we had our social justice trainings and our daily trainings about diversity, they were just so service level every time, like in the spring and in the fall, that I just, I didn't know what to do with myself because I'm like, I've seen these things as, you know, like a first-time staffer. I was a freshman in the spring, and we had our first diversity talks, I guess, a while of the paper. And just, like, the discussions we were having were so, like, bleh. <laughs> like, it was like no one was talking about the serious issues that we all knew were happening. And so that's why I'm really trying to fight for a future where the staff is not only diverse, but, like, accepting of each other and accepting of their own mistakes and ways to improve them. Yeah. And I guess like walking into your freshman year of Northwestern, what were your expectations in regards to like the daily and diversity? Like, would you have imagined that you would have had to take on the burden of really going hard for like diversity? Or did you think that that would already be there? Oh my god, I love going hard for diversity. <laughs> going ham. <laughs> um, well, okay, I did a program called Cherubs. Um, for journalism, and I and actually Andrew Golden as well were the two of the only like eight black people period in the program, and there were eighty four total students. And so, I had some expectation, of course, that you know, given my high school experience, given my charity experience, that like you know, that wasn't gonna be that great. And I was like, fine. I also knew that there was Blackboard, the Black Interest magazine, which I really respect and love. Um, and I knew that that would also probably draw a lot of potentially like African-American and Black writers to that publication, which again, totally valid. I really love their work. Um, but when I walked into the Daily and I saw like almost no Black editors, I think Troy was probably the only one and very few, you know, non-East Asian and Latina or Latino, Latinx writers. That was pretty jarring. And, oh, that was the other thing. I My first story ever was about Dia de los Muertos. And when I went to the center, I realized a lot of the families I needed to speak to in order to interview properly, they only spoke Spanish, you know, fluently. And so I happened to speak Spanish, you know, well. And so I interviewed them and that was the first ever non-English or not totally interviewed in English story in the paper at all that was like my first story ever and that really gave me like a sense of like what is this community doing you know like I know that there are so many people who speak lots of different languages on staff and I'm so proud of that but why was mine like the first in at least a while you know I think like for me I had very high expectations of the daily around like diversity I was like wow, like, college is going to be so much different than, like, my high school newsroom experience. I think I was really, like, numb to being the only one, to be honest, like, the only black person, not even just, like, newsroom-wise, but just, like, in my classes, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'd become, like, so, like, used to it that, like, sometimes I didn't even notice. And so I feel like going into college, I was, like, 
oh, there'll be so many more people that look like me. And like, I was really excited by that thought. And when I got, when I joined the Daily Fall Quarter freshman year, it was a really shocking moment. Do you think maybe that's why you like joined Opinions? Like instead of staying on staff as a sports writer or a news writer? Yeah, I definitely think so. When I was doing sports first quarter and second quarter, I did enjoy it, but I I felt really disconnected from like myself, which I didn't think I would experience. I think like my senior year of high school, I was doing sports, but I was also like doing opinions because we had like you could do both. So I was doing like both. And I realized, like, second quarter of my freshman year that, like, oh, I'm not able to talk about, like, anything, like, all of my frustrations, things like that that I, oh, that I did in high school. And I think for me, that's really what drew me to opinions is, like, really missing that, like, outlet to, like, express frustrations around anything. Yeah, and I think that's what draws, like, a lot of... POC to opinion because I think historically also that's like one of the only sections that's like really been open to people of color like in a way that news isn't in a way that you know sports isn't in a way that arts and entertainment isn't you know when the Huffington Post closed their opinion section which is definitely like a huge outlet for a lot of people of color and women of color especially um, when BuzzFeed starts laying off their audio staff, which had one of the biggest, you know, black women-led podcasts, and they lay off a lot of other staff that include, like, people of color, queer people, people have that multiples, ident- those multiple identities that are never, like, discussed in mainstream media, it shows, and it really impacts people, I think, a lot more than they would think while laying off, or I don't know, maybe they are thinking of that when they're laying people off, you know? And it's just so frustrating to see like all the time on Twitter, like, hey, I just got laid off from X publication, and you see their profile, and you see that they're a person of color, you see that they're queer, you see that they didn't go to J school, you know, all these things that pile up on you as like identities that are already hard to navigate in journalism, and then you get canned, and that's also what's worrying to me, you know? Like, am I doing everything right? As editors, of course, we have the final say in a lot, but it's an institutional problem. It's a systemic problem that adding, you know, one more black writer or one more Latina editor is not gonna fix. That's why I hate being the only one because I feel like half the time it's just me saying that into an empty void. And I'm glad that I've been given the, you know, well, I'm glad that I made the position of diversity and inclusion chair, so I can start forcing that narrative to people who don't see it in their everyday lives. But at the same time, sometimes I come home and I'm just like, is it worth it? Man, this makes me so sad (laughs) and like angry to think about, you know? And like when I see low-key and high-key, like racist and homophobic things being done at, you know, NNN, WNUR, NBN, our own, you know, the daily, it's just like, you're right, it is so sad. I feel like, like, a new audio series I'm kind of pursuing is, I think it's going to be like a three-part series around the word, like, safe, 
and how like different identities like define safe and if they feel safe on this campus and when I thought of the idea I got really excited I was like this is gonna be really cool I'm gonna talk to like different marginalized individuals about like safety and what that means for them on this campus and in general but it's weird because like in the back of your mind you're just like will this do anything like will this actually like make someone think a different way will this actually like make the people I'm interviewing feel better about anything you know what I mean like it's kind of like there's always this thing in the back of your mind yeah I don't like the idea of having to leave a legacy for diversity like I don't want to be the first person that someone thinks of when they think of diversity like I love attention but it's not like that you know I want I want it to be so like ingrained in our staff and our culture that in a few years no one will say like oh remember Marissa she's the one who like did all that diversity stuff and it was like fine or whatever and then we never did it again I think that also takes away from like a lot of the work that people did before me and a lot of the innovative ideas people will have after me and I that's not like a fully formed thought but I just really want it to be like a thing with a capital T, you know? Yeah, and you've talked a lot about like what you're doing in regards to being like diversity chair. Can you talk about reporting wise? Because you've like wrote a lot of opinion pieces around like issues of race and like diversity and things like that. So can you kind of just like talk about that? That's something I'm really passionate about and I'm really thankful that I am an opinion at the same time that I'm like working through all these issues with journalism, with The Daily, with Medill, and able to have that forum because for every hundred you know, people that write mean things, there's always like an email or two that gets in that's like, thank you for talking about this, like I really appreciate it. And so I'm able to like, I think almost influence like other people hopefully to start thinking about race in a different way, especially when it relates to journalism. The column that I wrote that was more like a research column about black journalists after that CBS political reporting team came out, that was one of my favorite pieces that I've written because not only was it a little bit more innovative than what we usually do and having like, you know, subheads and kind of doing a deep dive into research rather than more statistical work, it also was really cathartic to be able to look back at the history and just like be amazed by that and be like, We've come so far from 1968 when the government was like, yo, we need more black people in newsrooms or else nothing is going to get done. To now when it's like, it's not outright discrimination necessarily. Like, oh, we're not going to have black people on our staff. That's ridiculous. But more, they're not even being considered. And so kind of to see that transition is really important. And I really want other people to notice that, that... It's a big deal, not gonna get better unless we talk about it, unless we shout it from the rooftops, like, hey, other people matter besides, you know, white straight men who went to J school and are like 700th generation college students, you know? Yeah, and I guess last question, what kind of like advice or like few words would you give to like a person of color that's going into journalism, maybe like college, maybe is like going into that, what advice would you give on navigating? I would say it's kind of hard to give advice because my thoughts on it change almost every day. Like this morning, or like yesterday morning when 
I was walking to the daily, I was just thinking, hey, what if I don't end up being a journalist at all? Because the reality of the situation is, it's not necessarily safe for marginalized journalists in the newsrooms because of how deeply segregated newsrooms are right now in a way that is not, you know, enforced by Jim Crow or any other, like, you know, super nationwide civil rights laws. And so I would love to be able to say, like, oh, all you have to do is just keep your head down, do good work, work twice as hard to get half as far kind of mantra, and you'll make it. But I don't even know myself if it's really possible to thrive rather than just survive unless you really have the grit to keep pushing through all the hard things. And I think that I've developed it over the past few years, but I know that it's not an innate trait in a lot of people. And I'm really proud of all the people in the daily who have continued to fight against like this very systemic, privileged newsroom with all of their different identities and especially intersection of identities. And so I guess if I had to give advice, I would say try to find those mentors, try to find those people who have done what you're trying to do and just like improve on that and make it different, make it your own. But also, to be honest, like don't be afraid to quit and do something that you're really passionate about because it's not going to be worth like basically killing yourself over a few articles. That was my depressing advice for people who might want to enter journalism. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This is Cassidy Jackson, and I'll see you next time.